0: We recording. We are
1: recording. I'm not used to having somebody else in the studio with me. Oh I heard. I heard you kinda went rogue last week. You just weren't you just weren't around for it. I heard that the metrics for the podcast went through the roof. (laughs) Uh, I wish that was true. But it was nice. It was kind of nice. Started to get used to it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It's kind of like a surprise. It's the middle of the summer. I didn't think we were going to be able to podcast the whole summer. Yeah, but yeah. here we are. Mike Moore, Dave Fitch at Theology on Mission podcast, kind of delivering what I'll call an interlude. An interlude. An ad hoc interlude. Yeah. Let's listen to this music just a little bit more. I, 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 it's going to take a little extra to get me in the mood for theology on mission podcast. All right, so what do you got planned for the summer? Um, nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be boring. Yeah, uh, I'm planning a big event here in about
0: three weeks. How's it going? Are you? Uh, are you doing all all right. It, it's an interesting experience. You to, haven't come to me for any counseling this <laughs> or summer. Advice. Why not?
1: Because <clears throat> you promised that you would not give me marital advice, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I said I received that promise. <laughs> well, how has this? So you're you're. Quite a long ways into the summer. How's it gone so far? I mean, we're this yeah. is, folks, this is halfway <clears throat> in the middle of the summer. You're not going to hear from us live yeah. with the new podcast till September, and he's going to be uh, now, Mister and Mrs. Mike Moore, mm-hmm. uh, come September. Uh, so we we, we just want to find out how has it been going so far. Summer,
1: yes. Summer has been great. I let's see a couple fun things I did. Um, I live by the White Sox Stadium, so. I went there, I was walking by two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, let's let, let's see if we can get a ticket. You know how much a ticket costs for the upper
0: deck? How much?
1: Seven bucks.
0: I think that's a special on, uh, middle of the week special. Well,
1: so. I think it's, the White Sox aren't
0: doing too well. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> no, okay. I, I,
1: I'm I a White Sox fan. But, Are you really? But, well, I'm a Pirates fan. But in the AL, I cheer for the White Sox. So that was, that was fun. And I live close to the lake, and yesterday I went for a run, and midway through my run, I jumped in the water to cool off, so... It felt very summery. Wow! What about you? What have you been? Uh, well, I know I, have I been know what you've teaching been teaching you know? intensives. Yeah, I not, went not... to
0: see my mom for a week, which was great, but hot in Florida. Uh, and then we had a little thing at uh, Virginia Beach, uh, the American yeah. Baptist uh, Assembly there. And uh, I'm back home for a while. I'm going to be, by the way, um, a Mennonite Church USA meets. July 2nd and 3rd, I'm going to be there. If anybody's out there and looking for something to do, I don't know if Mennonites uh, drink brew. I know a few, and they do. I'm up for a brew.
1: With the Mennonites. I heard well, you then, got a, a little award. Did you get you get some kind of recognition at the American Baptist I have no idea. Biennial?
0: I don't. I have no idea what people are talking about because okay. I landed really late Saturday uh, and and got up to, to uh, speak at a breakfast at seven a.m. and then got out of there rather quickly. Oh, so
1: you received an award, but you weren't there.
0: Enough. I guess not. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, surprise! All right. Well, what's the so so? Here's. I, I know we're doing this on the fly, but yes, um, I would like to title this subject of this podcast antagonism versus conflict
1: okay antagonism
0: versus conflict yeah because i'm getting a little antagonistic not really (laughs) i'm getting a little irritated Uh, because every time i put something on facebook Mm -hmm. about say the current uh white house administration yep. or some issue having to do with immigration and it stirs up a storm there's people that come on and say <coughs> excuse me cough, cough button. Button. Um there's people who come on and say i'm i shouldn't be doing that i'm stirring up an antagonism because you're posting something that's controversial i'm making observations you're stirring it up stirring the pot yeah so today on Facebook, I put this, I've said, I frequently say the church must resist entering the world's antagonisms on the terms given yeah. by the world, but mm-hmm. this does not mean we avoid conflict. Right. How stupid would that be? Um, and so I'd like to flesh that out. There's a difference, I declare on the, on the airwaves today. There's a difference between antagonism and conflict. And I would like to say that conflict actually is a good thing. Conflict is actually the space out of which God works to change the world. Mm-hmm. Antagonisms are a bad thing. Okay. They actually work against what God's doing in the world. What do you think? Um, let me, if, if you have any idea of what I'm talking about, Mike Moore, um, why don't you, like, you know, go with it for a minute?
1: Is it, is it possible that? maybe the place where you're having this conversation on facebook isn't the best place to have the
0: conversation why would you say that
1: well i, I just i wonder if facebook leads to more antagonism i wonder
0: I, I i just wonder i, wonder, I just i'm just going to speculate i wonder <laughs> why don't you just say it like it is you think facebook creates antagonisms here's my i
1: i submit to you Ooh, there
0: mm, you go nice that rhetoric. facebook leads to, to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of manipulative yeah i mean we don't need to rehearse all the arguments about uh, for right. or against yeah facebook, yeah but
1: i don't want and i i don't want to do that but i do think you I, I do think the conversations
0: kind of end up leading into antagonisms more often right and i would say there's a couple of reasons why um, and I'm going to get into them now, but I don't think Facebook has to be that way. Okay. And I actually uh, practice. Um, excuse me. You do. You do. Keep talking.
1: You, you, you're very ironic on your Facebook account.
0: I actually try to practice. I sorry. I had to itch my ear these yeah, these, I, these I, earphones. I, was, I tried not to look. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> 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 Folks, so glad this isn't uh, one of those podcasts that uh, actually Well, yeah, we were talking video, about doing that. <laughs> uh, whatever that that is, but yeah. um no, I think that Facebook can promote antagonisms because there's not uh, there's a there's a lack of face to face encounter, yeah. which I'm going to talk about. Yeah, and then there's a ability to detach oneself from actual live people's people's living situations in their lives and just make it into an argument. All of which it makes Facebook prone to antagonisms. I practice trying to get people out of their antagonisms yes. through various yeah. tactics. So if you want to check in, I don't have any space for friends. <clears throat> <laughs> at the chest on Facebook, but follow me and you'll get in on all the conversations.
1: That'll be good. Okay. Yeah. So, so give me what you've written down.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think that, uh, so let's, let's kind of, uh, clear up what an antagonism is and what it does. Now, I got the word. This, by the way, is written up specifically, by the way, in the footnotes of the book forthcoming, the church of us versus them. And there I try to describe what an antagonism is. You know, antagonism uh, is a word that came out of Marxist dialectical materialist political sociology, is what I would like to say about that's a, it.
1: That's a mouthful.
0: Yeah, and, and it basically says... That uh, antagonisms work to move a culture forward in thought by creating a us versus them, a conflict, and and then a a kind of disruption of the conflict, out of which the existing frame kind of moves forward, and people get out of out of what they're stuck in, and we can we can go into an Alphaben in Hegelian language. Yeah, I I talked about that in the last podcast. Are you kidding me? No, not
1: kidding. Keep going. We're repeating. No, no, no. We're just overlapping. It's good. Okay. We're
0: we're reinforcing right now. So uh, this, you know, the terms, I complain about the church entering the world's antagonisms on the terms as dictated by the antagonism, Mm -hmm. which refers to the way we get ensconced, we get absorbed into an ideological social dynamic which pits us against the other as enemy, and indeed allows it to form our very identity in a group-making function. Hmm. But, but to just expose conflict or reveal contradictions or disrupt antagonisms, which often happens on my Facebook, and I think it's part of what Christians do, I think that's what Jesus did, it's actually part of our task in the world. As the very presence of Christ, and so that's the process I'm trying to describe in uh, this upcoming book, "Us versus the Church of Us versus Them." So, can you summarize, even with the little bit I've given now on this podcast, what the difference is between antagonism and conflict? Mike yeah. Moore, take it away. Well, you,
1: you just did a you just did a great job describing antagonism. I don't know if I did. I used too many big words. No, I I think you did a good job. Um, Thank you. But you didn't describe conf- conflict.
0: I described what an antagonism is. I yes. didn't describe what a
1: conflict
0: is. Ooh.
1: Do you want me to? Yeah, you go at that one. <laughs> Without using words like Aufheben. Aufheben. And re- Auf re- haben. <laughs> referring to German. Hegel oh. and, and yeah. Marx. Uh, so, from what I hear you saying, is that a conflict is... Um, m- maybe the difference between a conflict is... It's humanizing, right? So a conflict actually recognizes the humanity in the other person.
0: Okay. Um, You're going into a little bit. Conflict is just a disagreement. Oh, well, that was easy. Or conflict is just a moment when we realize we're saying uh, someone has sinned against me. Mm Mm-hmm. Intentionally, unintentionally, maybe understanding it, maybe not understanding it, but someone has sinned against me or come into a very important disagreement with me and okay. now we have a conflict because you and me, the person I'm in conflict with, must work together for the kingdom in a thing called the church or a group or gotcha. a politics. Yeah.
1: So I, I think I think that's really important. So you named sin in, in a conflict. Where does where is sin placed in an antagonism?
0: Yeah, um, wow, that's a good question. This is going in directions I haven't even I thought about. So, uh, <clears throat> but I, but I will say this: sin, as you know, part of the Old Testament understanding of mm-hmm. sin, is not only uh, a failure to meet the mark of God's standard for justice; it is also an incomplete act. It is a failure to meet uh, God's full purposes mm-hmm. for your life. So uh, in Matthew 18, when someone sins against you, you go to that person, and, and the words, the rabbinic words, what is bound in heaven, what is loose in heaven, what is bound on earth is loose in, bound in heaven, what is loosed on earth is loose in heaven, mm-hmm. is rabbinic terms for mean. Discernment, hmm. not just who sinned, who didn't, right. who's right, who's wrong, who goes to hell, who goes to heaven. It's actually discerning an issue in our lives where God is calling us to something new. Yes. All right. So, um, all that to say, and
1: an, an antagonism doesn't undo the sin. An antagonism perpetuates the sin.
0: Oh, that is so great! Can you say that one more time so I can write it down an and antagonism?
1: In the I'm sorry, I don't remember.
0: We're... Oh, come on, dude. Uh, I think you said something like
1: <laughs> conflict, re- I don't want to say resolves. In Con- terms of... Conflict undoes a sin and antagonism perpetuates it, a sin.
0: Right. And and conflict uses the moment to lead us to wholeness and healing. Mm-hmm. Antagonism uses the moment to stir up anger, fear, and yeah. And, yeah. And, and violence against yeah. the other. This is so important. I, wa- I feel like... We should have some kind of music right now because that really clarified for me uh, what I think is is really getting what 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 um, what God is doing in conflict. He is not doing antagonism. He is doing His presence takes shape in conflict yeah, yeah. and moves us towards healing, reconciliation, mm. and renewal of the world. And I got to tell you, Mike Moore, I'm seeing a lot of antagonism amongst Christians. Um, Whether it be the key social issues of our day, sexuality, racism, Mm -hmm. immigration, socioeconomic inequities, whatever it might be, I see Christians digging in, getting really angered, P-I-S-S-E-D, angered. And stirring up conflict and leaving and destroying places Hmm. where God could have done something Hmm. if they could have just been present long enough, patient, long enough, enough grace, long enough to unwind the sickness that's going on in this antagonism. Yeah. Are you
1: talking about uh, between churches or or in churches? I don't want to mention some of the names I've been reading even today. I gotcha.
0: Who are so angry.
1: Yeah and you always talk about anger and how well I'm saying always this is maybe just in our conversations but you you talk about like the place of anger in conflict or how there's like an angry phase yes a- am i yes keying
0: in on something here yes yes yeah. i i say anger is is a net good is appropriate mm-hmm. when one first comes to the realization of of the injustice anger in a sense is an awareness phase yeah Yeah. Uh, it helps us to become aware of what's going on not only in our lives but in those around us but if it stays there and turns into an antagonism it actually extracts us out of the discernment of the issue and turns it into an us versus them Mm -hmm. and at that point we don't get anywhere we actually destroy whatever it is that's right. that's that's in process yeah
1: and we need to move past the anger stage but but you can't you can't necessarily force somebody to do that you can right? invite somebody yeah i um but i think you and i have both seen people who have been residing in the anger phase for for a decade plus
0: you know you you can you can stay in the anger i've told colleagues when they get angry themselves at people who are stuck in the angry phase i go You have got to have patience, Mm -hmm. listen, uh, and and open space for the... And invite people into that space where we're going to now talk, unwind, allow Jesus to work. And so... Uh, yeah uh, uh, all that to say the difference there's a big difference between antagonism and conflict now let me let me just in the book us versus them I talk about a couple of things that happen in antagonism first the antagonism is the means by which the enemy making machine works and gathers people around you know a tribalistic identity mm-hmm. against an enemy so antagonisms need an enemy you are the enemy, right. and it depersonalizes the object. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, there's you, your identity becomes ensconced in this antagonism. I am who I am because I am this person, and I'm against you. Yeah. And now my identity becomes tied to winning yeah. this antagonism. Hmm. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, uh, antagonisms lock us into the existing frame framework um so that nothing we can't imagine anything new we have to we have to win on the terms there's nothing new this person must go down and i must win in order for justice to take place and it doesn't Like leave room for anything new to happen out of this. It doesn't question the terms of engagement. Right, and you can see this in sexuality all the time. Either the the affirming people are going to win or the not affirming Mm -hmm, people are going to win. But what does God want to do in this? And we make an object and an enemy and now our whole identity gets wrapped up in are we going to be the affirming uh, evangelicals or the not affirming evangelicals? And we can't get out of the frame to see what God wants to do and teach us not only about what God's doing in the world uh, in sexuality, but our own yeah. uh, call to repentance and transformation in the way we have allowed culture to shape our sexual identities, etc. Mm. And so we have to get out of the antagonisms. And so Matthew 18, of course, offers us a way out of antagonisms. Um, so, first of all, we're told to go face to face,
1: that's key. Yeah it's key that it's embodied or it's key that it's face
0: to face face to face this yeah. i am i am here with you and you are a person you have a real story yeah i am listening to you will you listen to me this is not setting up you as an object mm-hmm. you are uh, an evil white person or you are a black lives matters person or you right. are a Blue pro gay matter. lesbian person mm-hmm. or you are a hating lesbian gay person or we're we're not putting people into the categories and an object to make them an enemy yeah. and a cause from which we are now going to work against. Yeah. Yeah. Face to face. Yes. There's actually a, this is a
1: little tangential, so but I'll, I'll get through it quickly. I don't know if you remember this commercial, I guess a couple of years ago, they would they would take two people who represented "quote unquote" different sides of an issue, and they would have them go into a bar and they would give them a drink, and and just say, "Hey, have a conversation for an hour." And then after an hour, they would put up on the video screen, um, who that person was, and then said, "Okay, like continue your, your continue your your conversation." Um, kind of tangential, but it reinforces no. what you're saying, which is. If we if we meet somebody, hear their story first, or just even show empathy, sympathy, talk to somebody, and lead with that as opposed to leading with, you know,
0: I'm under this tribe, I'm under this flag, I'm under this banner. Well, well, Mike Frost had something on his Facebook today that just you know, um, or maybe it was yesterday, but he had a blog post about um, I think it's mikefrost.net. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he had a blog post about how he sits around with some old friends for like three hours, and he he and his wife asked these friends questions for like three hours. Hmm. And they just got thoroughly into his life and what he's doing. And then he walks away and he realizes that guy never asked them a single question about their lives. And he Mm -hmm. goes... Come on, we need generative conversations. Yeah, I believe listening and connecting open space for understanding how God is at work and present hmm. in our lives and calling us to something. and if we don't do that, uh, well, good luck yeah. with, with allowing God to work in our lives. Oh yeah, that's good. You know G- we generative
1: gen- conversation, I like that.
0: You know because you're a graduate of our doctoral program. Yes, I am. But we have a whole session, a whole week seminar on ethnography. Mm -hmm. And granted, it's a little bit academic at times, but basically it's the art of asking good questions, of learning how to listen, on how to take good notes, how to see and observe things going on in these long discussions, how to know your own place as a participant and in your power structures and what roles you play and how people see you. I, I contend... The average pastor, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but most pastors have never done that in terms of their own congregations and neighborhoods. And so how are you going to open space for God to work? Got to learn to listen. Face to face. The second thing it says is, uh, I mean, uh, it says uh, whenever two or three gather, gather in my name or under my authority and submit to one another. There's a mutuality here. There am I in the midst. Mm -hmm. And um, I suggest that dynamic is mutual submission. As opposed to the Deuteronomic texts where it's a community imposing their will on one person, this actually starts from two, and then when when there's no agreement, it goes to three, invite another. It ends up going to the whole community, and there's a communal mutuality of submitting one to another under the authority of Christ, and this is so different... And the way in antagonisms we get our identity out of locating ourselves in a tribe against a cause against somebody else no we actually submit our identity to this group uh, where God is working mutually to understand you you can't go into a conflict and and your identity depends on whether you win right. or lose on right. that conflict right? And this dynamic is described perfectly, in my opinion, in Matthew chapter mm-hmm. 18. Again, the difference between antagonism and conflict. In antagonism, we get our identity by holding on to the argument and winning at all costs. Mm-hmm. In a conflict, <clears throat> in, in Matthew 18, we actually submit ourselves yeah. to what God's doing yeah, in good. the world. Isn't that great? You, yeah, you, it is good. Have have. have you, this Have I had a conflict recently? <laughs> well, no, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, <clears throat> does this help you in terms of your future marriage? Yeah,
1: well, yeah, yeah, it helps me in that. Um, it, I mean, I, I actually do think of a couple things. Um, we took this, I won't say too much, maybe I will. We took maybe this, you uh, better be careful right now. And we took this to pre, spirit. like this pre- premarital class, and we had some counseling with some people. And actually, one of the things that was really valuable was, when you're having a conflict, if you can repeat what the other person is saying, oh yeah, it just, it, you know, it sounds like, oh, this is just a clever tool. But one, that's actually really hard for me to do because typically when somebody is in a conflict with me and they're talking, what I'm doing is I'm building, <laughs> I'm building up an argument in my mind as to why they're wrong. um, And oh, I think, dude, dude, d- do you,
0: do you do this as well? Well, okay, but will I admit it on the air? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess... Yes, we all do I, it. I guess I will. <laughs> so, the, uh,
1: I, I mean, I, I think whether that's a conflict with a spouse or or in church, because I can think of plenty of moments in the three different church plans I've been part of where I've, I've done that, and I just, like, I build this mountain-size argument to just bam crush people with but if you can listen to somebody and then uh, and then something else i've 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 heard recently i don't know if you've ever heard this but when you're having a disagreement with somebody to take their best argument and deal with that what
0: do you mean deal with
1: it as opposed to going ad hominem or Ah. um just attacking something that's really weak take what they're saying that is the best example of who that person is or their uh, their best defense,
0: you could say, and address that as opposed to going after like... The, and the... I, I might even say, and this this gets to some of the tactics at the end of the book, The Church of Us versus Them. I might even say, agree. Right. Find yeah. what you can agree yes. with first. Yes. Because this is what Jesus... Jesus, in, in the episode in John 8 uh, with the adulteress, Jesus mm-hmm. actually... Uh, so they're saying, are you going to stone her according to the law or not? Right. Jesus doesn't say, you, imbeciles. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, good for you. Okay, you have a moral fervor in you. You want to do what's right. You want to follow the law. Okay, you who are without sin, you, go do it. And yeah, yeah. And, and basically he reveals the contradictions in the behavior by right. agreeing with them. Right, right. Yeah,
1: he takes their, he takes their argument and he actually... Uh, he has,
0: I was gonna say he ascends to it, but uh, Zizek calls it over-identification. It reveals the contradictions and the underlying assumptions and drivers in a person's uh, behavior. It's good, but uh, okay. So lastly, Matthew 18: What is bound on earth is bound in heaven. What is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. I mean, th- this idea of that the very authority of of heaven the rule and reign of god and now the rule and reign of god in jesus christ at the right hand breaks in and does something totally new this is it opens space for the very like plates of the universe to be moved mm-hmm. so something new can happen that's what god can do mm-hmm. in this in conflict. In antagonism, we'll never get out of the existing frame. We'll never examine all of our assumptions on what drives us to do what we do if we get caught up in antagonism. If we bring our conflict into the living presence of God for reconciliation, confession, repentance, the giving up of our identity, the submitting and listening to one another face-to-face, God can do something new. And that's the difference between antagonism and conflict. So all you people out there that get on me on Facebook for disrupting (laughs) people and making comments and just asking questions, look, it's okay. It's okay to get freaking disrupted, upset, because that's the beginning of how we then can lead people into the presence of Christ Mm. for reconciliation and renewal. Amen. That was a good... That was good. Bookend. That, that was good? That's great. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And he talks about setting son against father, daughter mm-hmm. against mother. What do you do with that? With the sword yeah, part? You're kind of an Anabaptist, pacifist, nonviolent dude. Well, I, I've always heard the Anabaptist
1: interpretation as inter- interpreting the sword as bringing division,
0: not actually bringing a physical sword. So the sword, <clears throat> um, yeah, in fact, I in the book Us Versus Them, I even allude to the way the sword is used in uh, Revelation, mm-hmm. not as an instrument of violence, but as the the word of God. Yeah. That divides, that actually sets truth from untruth, and so, um, you know. Okay, so we'll just close the session off with a little reading. Oh, there you go. The church of us. That's good. Versus them. He,
1: he has the paper copy in his
0: in his hand. Uh, <clears throat> so his very presence, accompanied by this, is on Matthew ten thirty four. You know. I have come not to bring peace but the sword. His very presence reveals enemies for the purpose of making space for the unwinding of antagonisms for presence, healing, and restored relationship with God um, we I like to say it this way: Jesus, his very presence reveals enemies, doesn't make enemies. Mm-hmm. And so we must be prepared that if we are actually living and bringing the presence of Christ into the world, there will be disruptions, you know, like, like, for instance, in Matthew, in the same chapter, Matthew 10, verse 14, he warns the disciples that this is going to happen, you know, and he says, shake off the dust off your feet and, and God will be the judge, not you in verse 15, uh, and we got to go on humbly to the next place. But okay, I just want to say that relationships will be disrupted. We will be brought before the authorities and demons will protest, and we've got to expect this. But the antagonism was there before we got there. Hmm. And just because enemies are revealed does not mean we make enemies. And so I just think that it's okay. I want us to distinguish just because I say we can't enter into the antagonisms on the terms given by the antagonism, that doesn't mean there won't be disruption and that this is actually the space for the unwinding of the antagonism. Does this all make sense, what I just said? Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. If it doesn't make sense, they can pick up your book. This is a different way
0: of being in the world, a different way, not a way that pours gasoline on the fires of antagonism. Not a way that pours gasoline. And we need this in our culture. We don't need more gasoline right now. We need people to disrupt, make space for the presence of God, unwind the antagonisms so that God can heal the world. Good. All right. cool. I've been a little bit on fire today but this is we just got a we got a podcast in here uh two months from now when we begin again our mm-hmm. podcast in September you're gonna be married this book will be out you'll we'll be, be ready you'll be writing a different book we'll <laughs> be calmed down everything <laughs> will be good are you gonna put some uh in intervening podcasts with some best of yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll do some of that L- last week I did
1: the uh summer reading recommendations what are you what are you going to read this summer? Do you have anything or anything that you're reading right now? Uh,
0: I am reading this book uh, by this guy named Turner on the genealogy of queer theory and the f- introduction to it is the best hmm. intro to post-structuralist thought I have ever read. It's Wait. by Turner, it's called Genealogy of Queer Theory and and I don't know what, how I found I, I was reading various papers and this book came up. And I'm reading that. I'm reading Tish Warren's Liturgy of the Ordinary very carefully because I want to discern the relationship between worship and the world a little more carefully and I've learned some things from her but I also have some some stuff to maybe add to that book mm-hmm. that I think the book is missing. No, uh, dis- no, no, uh I'm not diminishing the work at all. Uh, What else? uh, What are you reading? Well, you're Um, going to be so busy, I would recommend not reading. uh,
1: No, I I have one book I'm reading right now. Uh, Do you know Gary Anderson? His book, History of Sin. Gary
0: Anderson from Yale?
1: uh, Yeah. He wrote Charity? Uh, Wait, wait, no, no. Sorry, this guy's at Notre Dame. So, A History of Sin, he's going through how the metaphor for sin goes from a burden to be war... Or, or I'm sorry, a burden to bear to a debt to be repaid, and how when the metaphor changes in the Second Temple Judaism, so so Are you kidding me? So does the way that we deal with sin uh, change? Oh, I at, love that. as we're developing uh, in atonement theologies. In I've the, heard that something dealt centuries. with
0: differently elsewhere, but I love it. Gary Anderson. Yeah,
1: it, it's a good book. I, I I bought it ten years ago when it came out, and I think he's I've at Yale now, it. and I, I think he's. Oh, maybe he is. book. It's good. It's it's really good because it goes from. The uh, scene goes from being something physical to being something economic.
0: And then- All right. Well, everybody, if you haven't already got enough yeah. summer books already planned, and hopefully it's the uh, end of June, I hope you have your, your books mm-hmm. already planned. But if you don't, there's a few suggestions. Um, ladies and gentlemen, here we are, middle of summer. We will see you in – we will he- – you will hear us <laughs> in September again. Till then, we'll have some interspersed best of Theology on Mission yep. uh, podcasts. We wish Mike Moore and his, his lovely bride... Grace. Grace. Uh, all the best I will be there mm-hmm. I know a lot Me of too. our friends will be there it's going to be a big northern hopefully, northern re- reunion hopefully we keep the lid on things and everything goes well <laughs> and we wish you the best and you and grace and uh, we'll see you next September folks uh, on, on Theology and Mission podcast till then all the best Dave Fitch Mike Moore so long thanks for listening